start back up with verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. God has called us. Everybody say virtue. virtue. God has called us to a virtuous life. Amen? A virtuous life. God has called us not only to glory, but to virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Boy, isn't that beautiful? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence. Be diligent in what you do. What Peter's about to say, be diligent in this. Don't be haphazard. Don't be, ha- don't be half-hearted. Don't be lazy-minded. But put your whole heart into it. Glory to God. Pursue it. Make it important. Stop and think about what he's, what he's saying here and give yourself wholly to it. That's what the Word of God is meant to for for us to give ourselves wholly to it. To listen intently, passionately, and approach it carefully. Approach it with expectation, with faith, with love, enthusiasm, eagerness, Happiness. People shouldn't get out the Word of God and say, Oh, I got to read the Bible again. (laughs) All right, what is he going to say now? (laughs) But with gladness of heart, eagerness, passionate, passionately waiting, longing. Yearning, expecting, hoping, believing, trusting. Hallelujah through the Word of God. Diligently do this. Add to your faith. Now, Notice how he puts this. First of all, we are are made to know that faith is not anything that we ourselves have added. God gives faith. By grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. Somebody says, yeah, but we're all born with faith. That's a lie. I don't believe that. 
All men, Paul says, all men do not have faith. All do not have faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Hearing Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We've preached on that so many times around here. Faith comes by hearing. Somebody says so by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. What does that mean? Hearing. What is the word hearing? It means understanding. It means I get it. Yeah. You've been enlightened. You have an understanding. It's click. Something clicks. Somebody says it clicked in me. God made it happen. He opened my eyes. He opened my understanding. I heard what He said. I understand what He says. I receive what He says. That is faith. When you believe what somebody's saying, that's faith. If God says you're a sinner going to hell without me. You're lost. Okay, Lord, I believe you. <laughs> if you're not convinced of that, you don't have any. You don't have the faith. If, you don't, if you're not convinced of that, then then there's nothing that's clicking in you. But if you're convinced of God's love, if you're convinced of the truth, if you're convinced of what this word says about you and about God, about Jesus and what He did at the cross, if you're convinced of that, if the Holy Spirit makes that real to you and He convicts you and convinces you in your heart and you accept that as true, then that's faith. That's faith that's working. That's faith that is coming alive in you. That's what God does. He makes faith alive in you. He makes faith come alive in you. He causes you to understand, to believe what He says. So we're not adding faith. We're adding to our faith. And that word add means to support. It literally means to support your faith. Add to your faith virtue. Now, a lot of folks seem to think, seem to think that they can neglect God and still have faith. That the faith they have is good enough. But the faith that God gives... Listen to what I'm saying. The faith that comes... From God embraces all that God says. The faith that God gives believes the Word of God. If you don't believe the Word of God, you don't have His faith. You may have some kind of faith, but mostly your faith is in yourself. Not in God. Because when our faith comes from God, it embraces the Word of God. And believes it. Amen? Faith believes, therefore, what God has done and acts upon it. It believes what God says, it acts upon what God says, and receives what God says. 
If you're not receiving and acting upon what God says and what His Word is, you, you don't have the faith of God. You may have some kind of faith, but it's not the faith of God. Many people in this world have faith in themselves. Many people of this world and different religions of the world put their only faith, the only faith they have is what they put in their own ability to be able to accomplish things. They can do all kinds of things they say that Christians do. Therefore, they don't need your kind of religion. They don't need your kind of God or your, of the Bible or what God says because they do these things already. But when a person rejects that word, when he rejects this Bible, he does not have the faith of God. His faith is in something else other than God. And I have sad news for them to no avail. Any faith that's not in this Bible, in this Word of God, is in vain. It is in vain. But thank God, the faith which God gives loves and embraces and waits upon the very Word of God and builds itself anchors itself in His Word. Amen. This is the faith of God. Now, He says now that you have this faith, support it. What does that mean? Faith needs support? Yes, it does. We constantly, continually need to support our faith. And first thing he says here is with virtue or virtuous, a virtuous life. And that word virtue, if you look that word up, it means righteousness. It means a moral life. It means a conviction of that which is moral and good. Now somebody says, we're not saved by morals. No, we're not saying. That's just not what Peter's saying at all. You already have faith, not of yourself. It's God's gift to you. You're saved by the faith of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. You're not going to support that faith with immorality. You're not going to support that faith of God that God has given to you with the ungodly and unrighteous things of this world or the lusts of this world. Love not the world, nor anything that is in the world. If any man loves this world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Father, it is of the world. And the world passes away in the lusts thereof. But he that doeth the will of God, he that does the will of the Father, abides forever. So, we're saying, well, that's according to what you do. No, he's simply saying this. When you have the faith of God, when you have a genuine relationship with the Father, Hello? Then you're going to support that faith with righteous 
living. In other words, you're going to walk the talk. And it's not a have to. It's not a you better you're going to hell. Yeah, as human beings, that's how we configure things. We to this way or that way, this way or that way. Why should there be an argument about works and faith, works and grace? He that is in God has an understanding. He doesn't have an argument. He has an understanding. He's not ready to jump down your throat with holier-than-thou message. He has an understanding. Hallelujah. He doesn't look down on the other fellow because the other fellow disagrees with him because this man has an understanding, a true understanding. Of his salvation, of his relationship with God, of his love of God. He's not, he's not, he's not set up. Listen, we're not set up in God to judge the world. We can judge matters among ourselves. Paul told us that. We can judge matters among the church, among ourselves. You know, not condemning anyone, but we can judge certain things going on. As to whether it's right or wrong, good or evil, should we or should we, should we do this or should we not do this? Uh, you know, we have all kinds of questions in, in, in the church about things. And we can sit down and discuss those things and, and, and give a judgment on those things according to the Word of God. And that's what it means. But everything's according to the Word of God. But we are not set up in Christ to condemn or judge the world. Jesus Himself said, I didn't come to judge the world. I didn't come to condemn you. Even though you deserve it. He wasn't telling the world, you're okay, you're pretty good fellows. Just because He didn't condemn you doesn't mean, well, I must be pretty good, I must be alright. No, He just didn't come to condemn you. He come to save you. Hallelujah. Everybody say, thank God for Jesus. He came to save us, not condemn us. Hallelujah. He knew that I was a rotten, no good, no account, low down son of a gun, but he came to save me. Hallelujah. He came to lift me up out of my, my hole that I was in and you were in. Hallelujah. He didn't come to push us on down. Are you stinking rock clay? Just go on down there. No, sir. He said, here, let me help you out of that place. Praise God. Praise He said, how would you like to live better and feel better and smell better and look better? How would you like to have a better life? How would you like to have things better for you? How would you like to, praise God, know the peace of God in your life? He said, that's what I came to do for you. Amen. To give you peace. Give, give you exactly what you need. So, so, but he says, listen, God didn't call us, therefore He didn't save us and deliver us out of that hole that we were in, that place we was in this world. To just continue on there. Remember, we told the woman when he forgave her of they've committed adultery, she's been caught in adultery, and they brought her to Jesus. They're going to condemn her and stone her to death. And Jesus said, You know, he that's without sin, cast the first stone. 
And when they all left, she was left alone. Where are you those that condemn you? No one. Neither do I condemn you. But go and sin no more. In other words, don't go back out and get involved in the same things. Turn around and get out of that and get away from all that. Hallelujah. And that's what the Lord is saying. Don't go back in the same old place I've brought you out of. Walk in newness of life. You've been, you've been raised from the death of sin in this world. Walk in newness of life before God. Hallelujah. Walk with me. If I, if I saved you and I delivered you and I, and I bought you with my blood, you belong to me anyhow. You don't belong to this world. You belong to me. So follow me. Live, live your life for me. Amen. Don't be involved in the same things that, that I brought you out of. I'm bringing you into something brand new in life. Follow that. Be virtuous. Praise God. Don't commit adultery with the world. Stay with me. Amen. Amen. You, can't support, you can't support what I've given you with this world. Support it with, with righteousness. Be righteous. The Bible says, the Bible says that, that uh, he that is, he that is, uh, he that is uh, righteous is righteous even as he is righteous. Somebody says, well, does that mean that you don't have any sin? No, I didn't say that. We all fail. We all can sin. We all can go our own way and, and, and do what our flesh, you know, prompting us to do. But deep in our hearts, there's, there is a longing. And if you don't know what that is, maybe you're not saved. Deep in your heart, God has put a yearning and a longing and a loving and a wanting of the things of God. Because God has made you a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. All things become new. Therefore, support your, your faith with that new thing that God has placed in your life. You can't, you, can't, you can't support it with that old thing. That old thing wore out. <laughs> Man, it's tired and wore out. It's tired and wore out. It's time to follow the new. Forget the past and follow the new. God has created a new and living way to serve God. Hallelujah. And so that word virtue is a very strong word. He puts it first. Hallelujah. It's a conformity to a conformity to a standard of right and wrong. Amen? Amen. Of morality, of moral excellence, of moral character. Amen. I believe God's people are good moral people. They're not immoral and corrupt. Right? We want to be, we want to, we want to be morally upright. Not snooty, snot nose and snooty nose and arrogant. God hates pride. And he's not talking about how the way you dress or how you fix yourself up. God don't care how you do about that. What he hates is a proud look. Arrogance. I don't care if you look like the Queen of Sheba. Just don't be arrogant. Or if you look like Cary Grant. 
Just don't be arrogant. Don't be so proud that you can't, you, you can't come down to earth with other folks. Just because they ain't as pretty as you, you know, go talk to their mom and dad. It's their fault. <laughs> you are the way God made you. We're all the way God made us. And ain't none of us better than anybody else. God's got pretty young'uns. He's got ugly young'uns. He's got all in between. He's got rich ones and poor ones and tall ones and short ones and fat ones and skinny ones. And, and, and you name it, God's got all kinds of people. And be like Jesus when he was here. He just walked among the people and said, How are you doing today, man? Good to see you. I came to tell you some good news. I came to tell you some good news. Hallelujah. Are you tired of hearing the old worn out news? The preachers are preaching to you down the synagogue. I've got something else to tell you today. Something good from heaven. Hallelujah. And it didn't matter to Jesus whether they were sick and dead, dying, or whatever they was. If they had leprosy that no one wanted to touch or stay away from, Jesus walked up and put his hands on them and said, Be healed. And the virtue went out of him. Jesus was virtuous. He was holy. And he was morally good. He loved judgment and justice and righteousness with mercy. You see, the world, the, the religious man, he loves, he thinks he loves uh, 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 being virtuous. He loves virtue, but he despises mercy. But you can't have that without mercy. You can't be righteous without mercy. You can't be godly without mercy. You can't be virtuous <laughs> without being graceful. Amen. So God has called us to support our faith. Oh, I'm, I'm saved. I'm born again. I love God. And I, and I believe what the Lord says. And I'm, and I'm following the Lord. And I'm a Christian. And I just believe in Jesus. And I, and I know everything is true. And I praise God. Hallelujah. Okay? Then support your faith with being morally good and correct. Have a character about you that stands for right. Don't give in and compromise with the world. Compromise the truth. But stand for the truth. Amen? God, we need more virtuous leaders in Washington. We need more virtuous pastors in the pulpit. Amen. We need more virtuous uh, Christians in the pew. Amen. We need, we need virtue everywhere. We need those that believe in the, in the law of God, of what is right and wrong and good and evil. Amen. And stand for, for, for those good things and uphold those things. Let me just say this real quick. You know, when you take the movies and the, and the, and the Hollywood and the, and the, the uh, entertainment business, you know, the reason, you know the reason why the older movies were better? In some ways, because they kind of upheld that moral standard. They weren't allowed to cross over the line. Some of them wanted to, but they didn't let. They, 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 they held up the moral standards. And therefore, the, the movies and the old TV shows and stuff, the old westerns, they, they, they're still going today. They're enduring. 
Everybody say enduring. That crap they make today out of Hollywood, it don't last one year. It's just, it's gone, you know. But them old shows, it just amazes me. 60 years ago, they're still on. Why? Because the morality, the virtue that they uphold says something to mankind. And you can't get away from, you can't get away from the standards that God has laid down for man to live by. If man would just follow the standards that God has given us, life would be so much better. And this country wouldn't be in the hole it's in today. So if we believe God, let us, let us, let us be virtuous in how we think, how we act, how we talk, what we believe, what we stand for, what we uphold. And not, not be judgmental or condemning of others, but loving and merciful and kind and good and explain and, and try to help people understand and see the light. Amen. God wants us to be the light of the world. He said, you're the light. Let your light shine. Hallelujah. A light doesn't condemn anybody. A light gives light. That's right. And no matter what kind of person you are, if you walk into a dark room, you need some light. <laughs> huh? Think about that a minute. Every one of you, when you go into your house at night and it's dark, you need a light. Amen. No matter what you did that day, <laughs> no matter what, what kind of argument you might have had with your wife or your husband, no matter what you did throughout that day, when you go home in the dark, you need some light. Alright? Think about this in the spiritual sense. No matter what people do, or how deep in sin people may be, or how lost they may be. Everyone needs a light. So be that light. Support your faith. Be a light. Be a light of goodness. Amen. Be a light of putting people in the right direction. Praise God. Be of help. Don't push them down, but help people. If somebody's in trouble, try to get them out of that trouble as best you can. Praise God. Do all the, the best things you know to do. Amen. Be virtuous. Support your virtue. He says, let's read on. I got to hurry up. <laughs> he said, add to your faith virtue. Support your faith virtue. And support virtue with knowledge. Now, what is he saying here? Being upright with the knowledge of God's grace. Knowledge in the right sense. If I'm going to be virtuous... If I'm, going to, if I'm going to hold up morality and have a moral character and, and hold up the standards of, of morality, I need to do so in the right knowledge. And I've already, I've already actually brought that out already. Do it in the right knowledge, in the right sense. Not judgmentally, but with mercy, with the grace of God. The Bible says be seasoned with grace. So support your virtue, your righteousness, your morality, with grace, with knowledge. Your knowledge comes from the Lord. Rightly dividing, rightly dividing the word of truth. Support your righteousness, your morality, your character, your sense of right and wrong, your convictions. With grace, the grace of God in Christ. Knowledge. Hallelujah. Have the right knowledge. The knowledge of God's Word. The knowledge of what God says. 
Not what, not what somebody else said, not what tradition taught you, but what God says. Amen. And whatever God, see what God says will set people free. You will know the truth. And the truth will. You will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Not my truth. Not your truth. But his truth. Support your morality or righteousness with truth. God's truth. And it will make you free. Hallelujah. And, what that, and, that, and that, that works in all areas. Not just in the soul, setting the soul free from sin, but it sets you free from the burdens and the problems and the, and the questions and the headaches and the heartaches and the, and the trouble that's troubling you, things troubling your mind and troubling your heart. You don't know what to do and you're all, it's like you're, it's like you're cornered by something. God gives you an answer and sets you free. The truth comes and makes you free. Hallelujah. The truth. We want to know the truth. I want to know the truth about the situation. I've got to have the truth. The world don't need to hear, hear fake news. They need to hear the truth. Amen. You hear a lot today about fake news, fake news, fake news. Well, we don't need no fake news. We need the truth. And the truth sometimes may hurt, but it's okay. We need the truth. Because it's only the truth that makes us free. It's only the truth that sets things right. It's only the truth that, that makes everything good. It's truth that brings victory. It's truth that solves a problem. It's truth that leads us out into the light. Yes. People that are burdened down in trouble with this world and sin, they need something to lead them out into the light. They need something that will ease the burden. And only the truth can do that. So we're going to support our faith with virtue and virtue with the truth. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So Peter is like, he's building, he's, he's building one on top of the other, supporting one with the other. And support knowledge with temperance. Now that word there, temperance, that's, 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 that's really, turn with me if you will. Let me read a scripture out, out here in uh, Titus, the book of Titus. It's a short book written uh, by Paul. I've preached on this here some years ago. This, this, these verses. Let me just let me just let me just refresh your memory a little bit. For the grace of God in chapter two at verse eleven. For the grace of God, that's the knowledge of God, have, that brought salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God. Somebody say the grace of God. Grace has, appeared. has appeared. We talk about it. We sing about it. We shout about it. We believe it. We preach it. We teach it. We live it. The grace of God. Not the law, but grace. We're not under the law, but the grace of God. By grace are you saved. The grace of God. The grace that came. The grace by which we are born again. The grace of God through which we have salvation. The grace that we sing and we extol so greatly in the church today. The grace of God. I thank God for the grace of God. Hallelujah. I thank God that some years ago, 20 some odd years ago, God enlightened me so much about His grace. I was so steeped and so... Swallowed up 
in tradition. Traditions of men. And I'm not going to say what, but I'll just put, leave it that way. Swallowed up with the traditions of men. And God, God shined His light on, to me and his, about His grace. And it changed my whole life. It changed my message. It changed my mind. It changed everything. It brought me into such, such a beautiful path to walk in. So the grace of God has been revealed. But look what verse 12 says. Teaching us. Somebody says teaching us. So we talk about the grace of God and we're going to teach everybody about the grace of God. We've been taught about the grace of God. We learn about the grace of God. We come to understand the grace of God. And we know now that by the grace of God we're saved. So we have learned about God's grace. But, but Paul says here, grace now that you have, that you've learned, that you so embrace, is teaching you. I'm going to stick my tongue out. <laughs> the grace of God now is teaching you. Glory to God. It just ties it all back in with what Peter's saying here. Grace of God is teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world so the grace of God is saying look you have my grace support your grace with the true knowledge support your faith with the true knowledge of God don't be a sap. Don't be deceived. Don't fool yourself. God has not called you to follow this world. He brought you out of this world and called you to follow Christ. God has not said, look, it doesn't mean now that you're called to follow Christ that you're never, ever, ever, ever going to sin again. And you're never, ever going to slip and fall in this world. It's going to happen. But here's the difference. There's been a change made. And now your heart is not set to follow where you were before. Now your heart is set to follow what is set before you. Now your whole new life has a whole new meaning. And this, this meaning is teaching you. And showing you. And guiding you. Amen. So, so, so uh, temperance. Is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Against such, the Bible says, there is no law. The word, the word temperance means self-control, moderation in action, thought, and feeling. Grace is teaching us how to be moderate in our actions, in our thoughts, how we feel, what we do, how we behave. Amen. He's not condemning us. He's teaching us. How to handle the situation. Praise God. Not being condemning, but handling the situation in the right manner, in the right, in the knowledge of God, in the grace of God. 
Being graceful in everything. Not being indulgent. Not being drunkards. Bible says, you know, not to be drunk with wine. Don't get out here in the world and just be drunk with the world. I'm not saying you're going to die and go to hell if you do. The Bible says don't do it. He urges us and exhorts us through the Spirit of God to not be taken up and be indulgent in this present world. It's possible. Possible for anybody to slip and go out here and, and get drunk with the world. I'm not talking about just with alcohol. I'm talking about drunk with the world. You can be drunk on anything that's in the world. The pleasures of life. The lusts of the world. Anything of this world that's, that takes us away from God and we, get in, and we get, you know, we become involved and we become indulgent. And our heart get caught up in it and we get filled with it and we, it's what we want to do and we follow after it and we chase it and we just desire it and love it and want it more. And we really become to the point where we want it more than God. That's why God says this, don't do this because I don't want to have any other God before me. I'm your God. I want to be the desire of your heart. I want to be the one whom you follow. I want to be the one whom you love more than anything in this, le- in this life. Let me, be, let me be the desire of your heart. And I'll show you pleasures that you've never even dreamed of. You think that, you think that, you think that wine is going to give you a high? The Lord, you know, the Lord standing there saying, man, you think, you think that them drugs are going to make you high? Man, you don't know what high is. <laughs> man, you don't know what drunk man is. Man, you don't really know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Temperate in all things. Support. Your knowledge, temperance. If I have the knowledge of God and the grace of God and I know the truth, then support that with temperance. Paul, when he was called in before the governor Felix, there at the last part of the book of Acts, put him in jail, and they was going to, you know, the, 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 the Jews hated him; they didn't want to get rid of him; they was trying to kill him. They put him in jail for a while. They brought him out before the governor, Felix. They brought him in before Felix. As he stood there talking to Felix, he began to speak to him about the things of God, salvation, and the grace of God. And he mentions the word temperance. I said, huh? Temperance? Things concerning the kingdom of God. Temperance. God has called us to, how do I say this? Engage ourselves in exactly the right moment, in exactly the right way, not too much. Not too little. God don't want you to be overbearing. And He don't want you to be too drawn in. But just right. 
He wants you to speak and to handle the situations. Approach it in the right spirit, with the right mind, sober, alert, understanding. Is it okay? Is it not okay? Should I or shouldn't I? Paul dealt with these kind of problems in the church. If you read the book, the letters he wrote to many of the churches, they were dealing with what you eat, what you don't eat, what you drink, what you don't drink, all these different kind of issues that they brought up. And Paul dealt with those issues. He even wrote Timothy one time. He said, Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Evidently, he had a stomach problem. It's bothering him all the time. Paul said, if you take just a little wine, bring it to help sell your stomach. And somebody said, hey, now wait just a minute, Brother Paul. You're not supposed to drink any wine, that's a sin. They wrote to, wrote to him and said, you know, this meat that we're eating has been sold in the, what do you call it, the shat, the, what are you talking about, the marketplace? Shambles. It's all in the shambles. Is that the word they use? Sham, huh? I believe it's shambles. Or anyway, in the marketplace where they would bring meat that had been left over from sacrificing in pagan temples to God, other gods. They'd bring, this, they'd bring animals in, slaughter them, sacrifice them to these, these false gods, and whatever meat was left over, they said, well, why waste it? So they'd take that meat down there in the marketplace and cut it up and sell it. There's good meat, there's nothing wrong with this meat. But the Christians at that time, who had been converted from paganism, thought that if we eat that meat, it's a sin. Because that meat's been offered to idols. It's part of that part of that cow they cut up down there, and I don't want to touch that thing because it was offered to that false god down there, and I'm not going to have nothing to do with it. And if you do, you're going to die and go to hell. That's what they were saying. That's what they were believing. No, we can't eat that meat. Paul had to straighten them out on the matter. Look, there's nothing to be refused. We know that there's no other gods but one God. And all these gods are false. There's nothing to it. Even if it was offered to them, that doesn't mean the meat is, has been <laughs> contaminated. God made that meat and there's nothing to be refused. There's nothing wrong with eating that meat. Go ahead and eat the meat. But if it offends your brother, if he's so bent on not taking any of it, if he's offended by it, then don't eat it. But I want to let everybody know, Paul said, in the knowledge of God, there's nothing wrong with eating this meat. It's not to be refused. Because you're not doing it in honor of any other God. You're doing it in thanksgiving to the true and living God. Who made all things for us to receive with thanksgiving. But if eating that meat causes my brother to be offended. Who doesn't really understand and know the truth. Yet he doesn't really, he doesn't, he doesn't get it. He thinks if by eating it it will pollute him. It'll, it'll, it'll cause him to be sinful and lose his soul or whatever. His salvation. Then, then I won't eat that meat. I won't eat it. As long as the world stands I won't eat it. But that doesn't mean that Paul never would eat the meat again. It simply means I want you to understand the truth. So Paul is given and taken. Paul is showing us here how it is that we are temperate. 
and that we don't lose, we don't lose it with somebody who's already lost it. When you talk to somebody who, who, who's, who wants to argue about something, they've done lost it. Don't you lose it. It's so easy to get in an argument with somebody about something, and as a Christ, two Christians come together and begin to argue, and both of you lose it. When you both lose it, you just lost it. You're not going to get anywhere with the truth. But if you restrain yourselves, just like when you're drinking or eating or anything else, restrain yourselves and approach the matter with grace, patience, understanding, and truth. And try to make things to be understood in the right light. Hallelujah. If two of you at home arguing about something, sit down and talk it over. And talk it over with temperance. Amen. Don't get overindulgent in your anger. <laughs> Don't become overindulgent in your desire and in your ascendancy. You want to ascend above the other. You're going to have your say-so no matter what the other thinks. You're going to have the last word. The Bible says, support your knowledge with temperance. Don't lose it. Amen. Don't lose your temper. <laughs> if you're tempered, that means you got it together. You're not going to be moved by this. You're not going to get caught unawares. You're not going to be shocked. You're not, you're not going to let this thing uh, kill your victory or kill your, your joy or whatever. You've you, you, you got a hold of it. Praise God. And you know the truth. You know what the truth is. And you're not going to let something come along and steal it from you. You're not going to have an argument, take it away. You're not going to let somebody who doesn't understand, somebody who all they want to do is argue in the first place, you're not going to let that individual steal your victory or steal your joy or steal your peace. Don't be like they are. Praise God. Be temperate. Hold your temper. Amen. Hold yourself together. Be strong. When, you're, when something's tempered, it becomes stronger. Huh? When they, make, when they make blades, they temper that blade so that it holds its, holds its strength and it won't break when you try. When you cut something with it, it holds its strength. It's tempered. All things that are made of metal like that are tempered. God is tempering us. Temper your knowledge. Support your knowledge with temperance. God didn't say, try to get the ascendancy. He didn't say, make yourself the one who is the all-knowing. So you might as well just shut up. No. Be as Christ. Be sure. Be humble. Be loving. Be strong. Best thing to do a lot of times is walk away. If you have an answer to give somebody, give it. But don't just keep giving an answer. You might find yourself getting involved in your own carnal thinking. You may start answering them with carnal reasoning. God gives you something to say, say it. And then when you're through, walk away. Say it in love. Say it in truth. Say it in strength. 
say it with praise God. And that's, that's what love is power. Amen. Love is strength. Temperance is strength. Praise God. Be strong. The Bible says be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Not be strong in Bob. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord. Praise God. In the, and the power of His might. And support your temperance with patience. Oh boy. Patient in trial. Patient in receiving the promises. And patience to run the race that is set before. If we're going to be temperate, strong, then support that strength, support that temperance with patience. It needs patience. You can be the strongest one in the room, but you have to have patience to support your strength. Be patient. I don't know. If they just they don't seem to get it. If they just get it. <laughs> they don't get it. <laughs> I know what it is, but they didn't. Get it. Just be patient. Boy, that's one of the toughest things for us to have. Supporting with patience. And we use patience in so many areas of life. Patience when we pray. Patience for the Lord. Patience to wait. Patience for this. Patience, 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 patience. We don't want patience. We want it now. <laughs> we want things to happen now. We want it all right now. Right now, right now, right now. God says, no, it's not right now. Be patient. The Lord is patient. Can you think about how, how much patient God? Oh, Lord. Yeah, so many people come to you wanting to ask questions and want to talk to you. And I said, my God, people want prayer. And there's so many people in trouble. I said, God, how in the world do you do it? I give me God, all the people in the whole world that he, that he attends to night and day, 24 hours around the clock. And Lord God, how in the world? You're God. You can do anything. The Lord says, be patient. Be patient. God is a God of patience. He knows how to wait. He's long. Everybody say long suffering. Long suffering. Patient. Add to your temperance. I'm smart. I'm strong. I know. Okay? Be patient. <laughs> Support that with Wait. Be strong in patience. Let your strength, let your strength play out with patience. If you know somebody that you can't seem to get through to them, be patient. If you have a prayer, you've been praying about something that you want or need, be patient. But I'm strong in the Lord. And I, I, oh, I know the Bible. And I love God. And I, love, and, I, and I go to church. And I read my Bible. Okay, be patient. Be patient in times of trial. Be patient in times of persecution. Be patient in times of testing. Be patient in times of, of when someone wants to argue. Be patient in times of trouble. 
Be patient when, when, when something's pressing against you. And all, it seems like all hell's coming against you. Be patient. Look at Paul. Look at his life and what he went, must have went through during his, his years of evangelizing in this world. And all the troubles and problems of the world that was forever pressing against him. Even the problems within all the churches, he said, is upon me night and day. I have the burden of all the churches and everything else come on me all the time. But I've learned to be content. And whatever state I'm in. <laughs> amen, amen. Whatever, wherever place I'm in, whatever's going on in my life, I've learned how to be content. He said, there's times I have everything and times I have nothing. I've learned to be full. I've learned, learned how to be empty. I've learned to be, how to be content when I'm cold or when I'm warm. When I'm full or when I'm hungry. When I have everything or have nothing. I've learned that through Christ Jesus, through Him, I can do all things. And that word can do all things simply means I can handle anything that comes my way through Him. So what patience is he talking about, Peter? He's talking about the patience of Jesus. Every one of these virtues, every one of these, uh, of these uh, 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 part, is part of God's nature. Everything he lists here, he says, you are partakers of his divine nature. Now, somebody says, well, if I got it, then why am I told to have it? Because as newborn babes, we are to grow in it. When you got saved, you didn't suddenly just get everything. Pop, there it is. You're, you're just a complete person in Christ. You don't need nothing. You don't need any growth. You don't need any teaching. You don't need anybody to tell you nothing. You don't need no admonition. You know it. You're, you're perfect in every way and everything. You're just like Jesus was. You're just perfect in everything. No, you're not. Your salvation is perfect. Your relationship with God may not be so perfect, but you've got one. You are related to God. I've got relations that are not perfect, but they're my relatives anyhow. You got children that, that you may not be approve, approve of so much, but they're your children anyhow. They have a relationship with you. They're your relatives. They're kin to you. Jesus has made us kin. Amen? He's made us kin. But because I'm kin doesn't mean suddenly I have everything. No, I've got access and it's the, the, the seed is in me. The desire and the ability and the strength is in me, but I've got to grow in that strength. Just like a baby. Everything that's in a child, everything that's, that, that, that makes a child grow is in him. And whatever he needs is given to him. And all that he needs to grow is inside of him. And he will grow when he's fed. When he's fed regularly. He's exor when he has exercise. All that that child needs to grow is there. Everything external comes in to feed him. But the, my point is, whatever it is that food does when it goes into that body, that body has inside of it that thing that causes it to grow. As long as it gets what's the nourishment it needs. And the Lord says, this is the nourishment that I want you to have. Add to your faith. You're a newborn babe in Christ. You're children of God in Christ. 
Now desire the sincere milk of the Word of God. And God says, support what you have with all of these things. Now let's go on real quickly. He says, support you with patience. I could speak more about that, but I'll go on. Bible says we receive the promises of God through patience. We run with patience. Amen? Amen. Now he said, support your patience with godliness. The word godliness means reverence or duty to God. It is profitable. Godliness with contentment. Everybody say contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Hallelujah. So if I'm going to be patient with what? Godliness. Everything must be in a godly fashion. Not an ungodly fashion. I don't want to lose my temper or lose my patience. I want to have patience in a godly fashion. In a godly manner. Because it is my dutiful, it is my duty to God. Praise God. To reverence Him in the way I live, the way I act, the way I behave, not to, uh, toward others, towards God and towards others. So, He says, support your patience with godliness. But I'm a patient fella, but are you godly? Are you, are you being patient in the way that God is saying? Look. Do everything out of reverence to me. Keep me as the center focal point in your heart. Hallelujah. After all, you're not being patient on your own. You're not, you're not showing people just what you can do. You're reminding folks of me. Support your, your patience with godliness. Hallelujah. I want to wait upon the Lord and I want to wait upon you. I want to serve the Lord and I want to serve you in a godly fashion. Amen? Amen. In a godly sense. I want my behavior, my thoughts, my mind to be towards Him in all that I do. Amen? Not selfish, not selfishly. I'm not being patient for myself. I'm not trying to be selfish doing things for my own. It's for God. After all, my life is to glorify Him. Amen? It's not to get what I want, but what He wants. I'm not being patient to say, oh boy, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it after all. It's not for me. It's for Him. I'm going to get satisfaction out of this. I'm going to wait, but I'm going to get satisfaction. <laughs> God said, no, do it in a godly manner. Amen. Hallelujah! If I wait on you to get saved, I will rejoice with you because God is on the scene. God is doing something in your life. I'm not going to get up there and say, look at how many people I brought to the Lord. No, sir. I'm going to say, praise God. God brought somebody in. Hallelujah. Preacher gets up and preaches. He should say, boy, hallelujah. Look at all them folks that are coming in. Man, I sure must. I've been doing pretty good here. Like, no, do it in a godly manner. That's not godly. That's ungodly. I heard a preacher say one time he went to a church. Where was, he went to a church, visited a church where 
The people were so holy and they dressed so holy and they looked so holy and talked so holy. He looked around, he just stood up and testified. He said, I got to tell you folks this morning something. Yeah, brother, what? This is the most ungodly church I've ever been in. Because you're self-righteous. You're self-holy. Everything's self. You're satisfied. Everything you do to satisfy self. Peter says, don't be that way. Don't be that way. Be godly. Be godlike in all that you do. Patiently waiting. Praise God. Because others don't understand. Others don't see. Others ain't quite getting it. Or you haven't received something yet. Or whatever it is that you're patiently waiting for. You're doing so in reverence to God. You're not saying, God, why not? Why not? Why not? No, he says, no, God, I wait on you. In a godly manner. I'll be patient, all right. Yeah, I'll be patient. I'll be patient. I've been waiting for a long time, but I'll be patient. I've been patient. But you're not being patient in a godly manner. You're angry. You're upset. <laughs> huh? Because things ain't going the way you want it to go. Because it's not happening like you think it should happen. Do so in a godly manner. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, this thing, this thing is slicker than oil. This thing is smoother than a baby's butt. I mean, this thing is that God's way is so perfect. And it works so beautiful. We'll just listen to what he's saying. Hallelujah. Patiently wait in a godly manner. Add to your godliness. Support your godliness. Now he just goes on down to the very, the very bottom. With brotherly kindness. Somebody say brotherly kindness. Brotherly. Hallelujah. First John 3. The Bible says we know that we have passed from death to life. Because we love the brethren. Amen. And then he goes on to say, if a man says he loves his brother, he loves God, and he doesn't love his brother, how can he love God if he doesn't love his brother? That he, that he's, if he doesn't love his brother that he sees, how can he love God that he doesn't see? So brotherly kindness, Peter is saying, support your godliness with brotherly kindness. Do it in a godly manner? Yes. I wait upon God. I want to do right. I want to behave and act right and before God, before men. He says, yes, support that with brotherly kindness. That kind of ties together. Don't jump at somebody. Don't jump down their throat. Don't jump at the situation. Don't jump the gun. Don't jump the gun. That's put don't put the cart before the horse. Well, you name it. Don't rush in. Say something you ought not to say, not knowing 
the situation because you're going to be sorry if you say something that you shouldn't have said later. But use brotherly kindness. If you're going to be patient towards others in a godly manner, do it with brotherly kindness. But I don't feel like being kind today. <laughs> I got too many. I got too many too much on my mind. I just don't feel. You know, I don't feel like it. He didn't say. He didn't, he didn't talk about what you feel like. He said, "Do it with brotherly kindness. Be kind anyway. Have a kind word to say. Amen. Have a kind thought. Have a kind word. Be kind. Uh, uh, be considerate. <laughs> considerate. If we're going to be patient in a godly manner, we must be considerate. Consider of others, consider of the whole situation. Consider, you know, we, we, all it, so much so we want to consider what we, what we want, what we think. I must consider what I want. I must consider me. I must consider my feelings. I must consider what I think because I know best. I know what's right. And they don't know what they're talking about. And so you consider. The Bible says be kind. Be kind. I don't know how many people have run into in my life that... that we're just, you know, just just come at you and just I mean just <clears throat> and just be kind. Bible says it's better to uh, be slow to speak, swift to hear. Be slow to speak and swift to hear. And that's in that fashion you're being kindly. Okay, what do you have to say? I'll listen. Be kind. Amen. And then when you get home, pray for people. <laughs> I mean, get on your knees, pray for everyone. Amen. God didn't call us to be their judge or, their, or be their, uh, to be their betters. Sometimes we think we're their betters. He says, no, be kind. Don't be their betters, be their kind. Be kind towards them. And then he says, support your kindness with charity. How many knows what charity is? It is an act of benevolence. Now the word is agape, but if you look the word up, it means an act of benevolence, an act of goodness. Of the will. God showed an act of kindness towards us when He sent Jesus into this world. For God so loved us that He gave His Son. That's charity. Benevolent. An act of goodness of the will towards others. So what, he's, what Peter has done has placed charity at the bottom of the list. And it supports all these others. So in actuality, actuality, he's saying support everything with charity. The love of God. Everything is done out of the act, a benevolent act of the will of goodness. Because, because that's God's nature. Everything God did, He did out of His own will. What, what happened when Jesus was born? Peace on earth, goodwill. Goodwill toward men. 
God has goodwill toward all men. He says, let everything you do in the nature of Christ in goodwill. Hallelujah. Goodwill. Not for your advantage. Not for your profit. But out of goodwill. Hallelujah. You want to say, I believe, I believe in God. I'm following Jesus. Do so in, with a goodwill. Not to your advantage, but to His glory. Amen. Stand with me, everybody.